on today's episode of the Blue Bloods, we are back again. And New Year's Eve and New Year's Day bowl games are almost here. We have a special guest joining us to preview the Rose Bowl and talk some Wisconsin football. Asher Lowe joins the podcast. He is the sports director for 91.7 WSUM Madison and the host of the Locked On Badgers podcast. We only have one segment today, Pick 6, Pick six, which might be misleading with only nine bowl games we're covering, but that's a loaded episode, so let's get it going. So first, we have the AutoZone Liberty Bowl, Navy versus Navy versus Kansas State in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, Navy is a three-point favorite. Well, I mean, I I really am kind of shocked. I mean, not, I guess not really, but I mean, Navy's ten and two, only a three-point favorite though. That's pretty. That's a, they're expecting this to be a tight game. I, and I can see it just the way that Navy plays. I mean, we see a team that is that runs majorly or whatever that word is, they run mostly the triple option, right? So we're expecting that uh, to meet this K-State team who's in the Big 12, who knows nothing about defense, apparently. Um, I don't know. This game's going to be an interesting one to me. Uh, and it's hard for me to pick this one just because these two teams are so different. And K-State really hasn't seen a team – like Navy yet this year, I would say. That's a fact, but I mean, I thought it was kind of interesting that you said they don't play defense. Um, K State has only allowed one team to score over thirty on them, and that was Baylor. Baylor and Oklahoma, so two teams. Uh, that's two teams. Well, I, I was making mostly a blanket statement for the Big Twelve, but you know, if we want to get into specifics, I know that this K State defense is a little bit different than the rest of the Big Twelve, besides Baylor, obviously, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it, it's just one of those things. Uh, this Navy team, they, they focus mostly on just, I mean, I'm talking hard-nosed football, and that's like most of the military institutes. We've talked about that, We've talked about that before on the show. Um, but, yeah, it's just going to be a different kind of matchup for both of these teams, I think. And I think that Navy's probably a little bit more prepared for this, uh, having played teams like, like K-State in the past, I guess, uh, whereas K-State is really kind of unprepared. I mean, I guess that's what film is for, but you know, they, it's a little bit different when you get on the field. That's very, very true. Um, I, I'm just, I'm really interested to see which K-State team shows up. I mean, does the team that thoroughly outplayed Oklahoma show up or does the team that got thoroughly outplayed by Texas show up? Um, you know, Kansas State's going to have to run the ball and Skylar Thompson is going to have to make plays with his leg. If Skylar Thompson does not make plays with his legs, this game could get out of control because K-State's going to have to have some time of possession because, as we all know, I mean, Navy can control the ball. And most of the, you know, institute colleges like Navy, Army, uh, Air Force can control the ball. I mean, we saw Air Force have, what, a 14-minute drive the other night? Yeah, it was insane. It was crazy. I mean, I love it because I love football, but uh, insane. Yeah, that's a fact. And, I mean, I, I guess, you know, 
if K State could hold Navy under 300 yards rushing, they win this game. That's a tall feat because this Navy team's averaging 360 yards per game on the ground. And uh, I've seen this K State team play a lot. I've seen a few Navy games, and I think K State is going to come in gunning for nine wins under Chris Kleiman, his first ever bowl game as the head coach. He has this team playing elite. They're riding a two-game win streak, one over a ranked Iowa State team, and one on the road in Lubbock, Texas versus Texas Tech. I'm picking Kansas State in a close one. I'm giving. I'm saying this game is going to be a push game. K, or, or no, I guess not really a push because maybe it's a favorite. Well, no, so, yeah, so they cover. They win by three. Right. Yeah, I'm going to go uh, – Listen, listen. When I say this, I mean it. I love America. I love our military academies. I'm going to go with Navy in this one. They've proven to me time and time again this season that they can compete with the. I mean, some of the best teams in the nation. I'm not going to act like they played like a top ten schedule, but um, they've shown me again and again they can they can really show up when it matters. And so I'm going to go with them. I'm going to even say they cover. I think it is a close game. I think it kind of comes down to the wire, but I can see this game being like a four six point game. Mm, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm actually really interested to see this game. And a funny thing I was listening to ESPN about is they said this might be the quickest game of all time. Both of these teams love to run the ball. The clock might never stop in this game. No, it might not. That would be incredible. Uh, just quick football. We can get on to the next bowl game. Uh, I mean, isn't that what we're here for? Yeah, that's, that's a fact. Uh, next, we got the Belt Bowl. I am – Interested in this game. This is this was a tough game for me to pick. Uh, we have the belt bowl between Virginia Tech and Kentucky. Um, Virginia Tech is a is a two point favorite. Um, this game will be in North Carolina in the in in the Panther Stadium. So I'm, this game was real hard. I mean, I think the two point spread might even be generous. I thought this will be as close to a push game as we've had. Yeah, maybe. Um, you know, and I'm on record all year by saying that Virginia Tech are frauds and every single time I've said that uh, they've proven me wrong I think they've won every game where I've called them a fraud before the game um, this team's not awful I still don't think I think they're a little bit overrated but I do think that they can pull out this winning against Kentucky um, Kentucky's a good team don't get me wrong but this is a Kentucky team that's been plagued with injuries I mean I, I mean look at it they're, they're they're playing with a wide receiver at quarterback Yep, and and the crazy part is he's played quarterback for over half the season. He's still their leading receiver and their leading rusher. Yeah, so it, it's – I think that these injuries are really going to come down and hurt Kentucky. You know, if you were to look at Kentucky, you know, three years ago, I'd be shocked if you were told me they'd be in bowl games in two seasons in a row. I mean, they've been back-to-back bowl seasons, back-to-back. Do they have a winning season this year? Uh, Kentucky? Yeah. Yeah, they're seven and five. Yeah, see, I mean they're seven and five, and that's with their quarterback going down half of the year. So this team is showing they can persevere. I, I just don't think they can pull it out against this Virginia Tech team. Yeah, I, I don't either. Uh Virginia Tech's defensive strength is against the run and against a team that can't pass, they're gonna be loading the box up. Uh I don't think I don't I don't see how Kentucky wins this game. I mean, if you look at Virginia Tech coming into the ACC, the the the, the deciding game for the ACC championship against Virginia, they shut their last two opponents out. Both of which are strong running games, especially you know, and 
they're coming off of – that was a three-game win streak they took into that game, and they shut down Notre Dame's running game. I don't think yeah. Kentucky's going to be able to move the ball like they that they have been. I mean, you say Kentucky – you know, Kentucky's won four of their last five, but those wins have come against Louisville, Tennessee, Martin, Vanderbilt, and Missouri. And their their one loss was to Tennessee, which is not a great loss at home. I think Virginia Tech covers. I think Virginia Tech wins this game by double digits, double digits personally. I agree with you. I think it's at least a 10-point game. Uh, this Virginia Tech team, like I said, they've, they've proved me wrong every single time I've called them frauds. They've won every game when I called them that. So guess what? I'm going to end this matchup by saying, Virginia <laughs> Tech, you are frauds. Prove me wrong. <laughs> There you go. Um, next, one of my – I think I called this one of my favorite bowl game names ever. We have the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl um, <laughs> between Florida State and Arizona State. Uh, Arizona State's a four-point favorite, and this game is in El Paso, Texas. Uh, this is one of the weird bowl games that's on CBS. I, I, did, I, I forgot that CBS even had bowl games on their station. You know what? I also forgot, and you really just bummed me out by telling me that this game's on CBS. You're telling me we're going to have Gary Danielson calling this game? Yeah, I, I believe so. I don't I don't think that's it's CBS. Disgusting. Unless they're letting Tony Romo start calling college so games. But, I mean, I, I don't know, man. This this matchup, I think, is going to be one of the uglier matchups of the bowl season. I mean, you have Florida State with the new coach who said who was an offensive-minded coach who said he will not be calling the plays. and you have an Arizona State team that has been on a roll the last two weeks of the season. And I think if you give Tony Dungy, you know, or no, Herm Edwards, not bad, not Tony Dungy. I get them mixed up all the time, but I, 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 <laughs> dude, that is, come on now. That's wild. Um, I mean, dude, they're both legendary NFL coaches. I get confused all the time. They both have like books. I mean, it's wild, but uh, they beat <laughs> Arizona and Oregon their last two games. And I think, you know, he's going to have, this team ready to go. I think this Arizona State defense is stout. It's just dependent on if their offense can score has been the difference in games. And this Florida State defense is horrible. Right. I don't want to sound cliche right now, but, uh, I mean, we've mentioned it before, uh, even in this episode. But this is going to depend on what Arizona State team shows up. I don't think there's a world in which Arizona State loses this game. But whether or not uh, – they win by double digits, I think, is determined by which team shows up. Now, we've seen this Arizona State team and what they can do. Uh, I mean, we all watched the Oregon game, or at least you should have watched the Oregon game if you didn't. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, if that team shows up, we're talking about Florida State does not score, and Arizona State wins this game by half a hundred. Yeah, and then, like, who also does Florida State start? Justin Blackman has not been consistent, and then – you know, you have Alex Horn- Hornbrook, who looks way better, but they just don't give the chance to. I just – I'm really interested to see what Mike Norval does. I'm shocked he's not calling the plays. Um, that should have been, you know, aim one for him to get this offense going. I mean, especially after the pitiful performance they put up against Florida. But I, I really right. think Arizona State wins this game by double digits. I think Florida State gets run out of the building, and Mike Norval – looks at his team, and he understands how big of a rebuild really is ahead of him. Yeah, what was the spread on this one again? For Arizona State. Oh, that's – come on now. Be better. Yeah, Arizona State covers that all day. I mean, this is at least (laughs) – four points. Yeah. Yeah, that's easy money. They're just free money. That is free money. 
And people forget, so, you know, as pitiful as people think this Arizona State offense is, which has been pitiful at times, do not get me wrong, their quarterback, Jaden Daniels, Daniels, has almost 3,000 yards passing, 17 touchdowns, and only two interceptions. He, I, mean, I mean, he looks – we've talked about him. I mean, whenever we covered Arizona State, because we – what do we – we talked Arizona, Arizona State. But we talked about what, uh, what he can do. I mean, yep. he, he looks good. You know, they, they talk about this offense like it's nothing, but this he, – he's a force. Yeah, he is. And, you know, if, if you take away that one game we cover where we both picked Arizona State and he had a two QBR, outside of that game, he's been outstanding all year. And they have a strong run game. Their leading rusher has over 1,000 yards. And they have a receiver that's went for almost 1,200 yards. Uh, I think this offense has potential, man. I think they've just run into some stone wall defenses and they had some problems just putting it in the end zone I mean they're putting up yards they have almost 400 yards of offense it's just there seems to be a disconnect in putting it in the end zone and that can cost you a lot of games especially throughout the season I think that's the only reason this team's seven and five I think this is easily a nine and three team with a touchdown or two throughout the season where they can figure it out late in games yeah I agree with you um you know and this is, let's not forget, this is a Florida State team that was just barely bowl eligible. Uh, what did they go, 6-6? Six six? Yeah. Yeah, 6-6. Six six. And they had to have some cards fall in their favor to even do that. You know, they fired Willie Taggart midway through the season. And so, uh, I mean, I don't think they deserve to be in a bowl game this year. So, for that reason, I'm going to take Arizona State, and I'm going to take them covering that spread easy. Yeah, I also have Arizona State, as I said. But So we'll move on to our next game. We have the Nova Home Loans Arizona Bowl. Cannot wait for this one. We have Wyoming. There's nothing good about that name. <laughs> no kidding. And it's even better because it's between Wyoming and Georgia State. And as you can tell, it is indeed in Arizona, in Tucson. So, I, I no, I'm not going to lie. I've not seen much of these teams. I watched – a little bit of Georgia State. I uh, have not watched much of Wyoming, but neither. Both teams are seven and five. Both team. Wyoming's offense is pretty average. Their defense is I. Georgia State puts up a lot of yards, but cannot stop anybody. So this should be the perfect matchup. Yeah, um, I'll be honest with you. I haven't watched a single Wyoming game this season. The only Georgia State I've seen is when they beat Tennessee, and so. I'm going to this one a little bit blind. Uh, what I do know is that Wyoming had Josh Allen. Not anymore, but I'm a big Josh Allen guy. I think I have to take Wyoming. Who's the favorite here? Well, Wyoming is a seven-point favorite. Gee, yeah, I'm taking them. I mean, I don't know anything. Like, I could not tell you uh, who's going to cover the spread. I'm going to take Wyoming, and I'm going to go ahead and say they cover the spread just because it's fun. I'm going opposite. I'm going Georgia State here. Uh, I think they. I think they cover the spread. You know, if if you, I, I, it all comes down to quarterbacks for me. And you know, Georgia State's got the better court, the, the better quarterback. Uh, I mean, 21 touchdowns, seven interceptions. You know, Dan Ellington has played a pretty good. You know, had played pretty well this year. I mean, 2200 yards. While on the flip side, Wyoming has Sean Chambers, only seven touchdowns, 915 yards. And Georgia State has a better rushing attack. I mean, they're putting over 200 yards in both uh, through the air and on the ground. 
Wyoming only averaging 128 yards through the air. That's that's a long way down from their Josh Allen days. I'm taking Georgia State. I think they control the clock. You know, I I just have a feeling. You know, if you beat an SEC team on the road. I'm putting some trust in you in bowl season, especially in these matchups like this. The interesting matchup to watch, though, is the rushing defense of Wyoming versus the rushing offense of Georgia State. Wyoming's only allowing 99 yards rushing, but they're allowing almost 300 yards passing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess it's a good thing for me that I chose Wyoming in football and not, like, places where you can have fun because – I don't believe in Wyoming, uh, but I definitely believe in Atlanta. Atlanta's a good time every single time. Um, so that, I guess Georgia State has that going for them. Uh, other than that, I think Wyoming's going to wipe the floor with them. Yeah, and based both of these – nothing, by the way. This is based off of no knowledge. <laughs> yeah, guys, in case you guys can't tell, Brandon is currently driving uh, from Louisiana right now, so we're doing this extremely yeah. remotely. So uh, free. Thank God for Bluetooth. <laughs> there we go, guys. But yeah, both of these teams are not looking great. Uh, both have lost three out of their last five. Um, you know, not a great look, especially you know when your losses are to Georgia Southern, Louisiana Monroe, Utah State, Air Force. I mean, this is ridiculous. Uh, it, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, these teams are seven to five. We can we can keep rolling, but I'm putting faith in the South. I'm putting faith in Georgia State. <laughs> I'm taking Georgia State to win. Um, don't also like Brandon completely blind. I'm sure a lot of you guys didn't tune in to hear about this game, so we'll move on to our next game. We have the Valero Alamo Bowl. This is going to be a a, a treat. Horns down. Utah versus Texas. Utah's a seven point favorite, even though the game is in San Antonio, and I think they cover this by a zillion. Yeah. So this game's like 45, like like. 30 to 45 minutes away from Austin. So, very close to the University of Texas. I'm taking the Utes. Come on. You had to know this. Horns down. I think they cover two. This, I mean, Texas has shown us time and time again that they are not back this year. You know, and that's not me trying to sit here and uh, do that play on words like I've been all, all season. But they're not a great football team. We're not going to sit here and act like they are. Uh, as much as I would have liked them to be a good football team, because LSU kept the game pretty close at the beginning of the season, but um, I, I don't have a lot of faith in them. And this has been a Utah team that's been a consistent top 10 team all year until they lost in the Pac-12 championship. So I, I think that Utah can pull it out. Their defense is going to, I mean, just obliterate Texas. A thousand percent agree. That's the reason I'm picking. And it's not even – it's the defenses in general. You have Utah giving up 250 yards per game. Brandon, they have played 13 games and have only given up 70 yards rushing per game. Yeah, it's incredible. And their last loss, yeah, you could say C.J. Verdell put up 200 on them. But you know what? C.J. Verdell's really good, and so is Oregon. That's why they're in the Rose Bowl, which we're going to cover later. But – and then you have Texas on the flip side who's giving up 450 yards per game. I mean yeah, – I mean, and that's that's really dangerous when Utah has a Zach Moss. Yeah, and it's not even that, man. I mean, they're giving up 306 passing yards per game. And Tyler Huntley, really good. I mean, highly underrated. Wow, I mean, 3,000 yards, 18 touchdowns, four interceptions. I think – Huntley throws for 250 or more, and I think Zach Moss has 150 or more on the ground. And 
I think this game gets out of hand really, really fast. And I, I really don't see how Texas keeps this close. I have Utah by 20 or more. Yeah, I think it's at least a two touchdown game. I don't. I mean, twenty is a lot of points. Uh, if it's if it's twenty, it's going to be twenty one. I think. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. This isn't a Utah team that is just scoring at will. So that's, I, th- I I think Utah is going to come in pissed that they yeah. gave up that game to Oregon, and then you know Texas doesn't run the ball very well in the first place, and you have the Utah team giving up seventy yards per game, and they're going to put this on Sam. Ellinger, who is literally going to throw five interceptions. I mean, he is – I think he is the most overrated quarterback in the country. I think Sam Ellinger makes a few turnovers, and that's why this gets out of hand. I think I think Utah is a team that can capitalize on someone like Sam Ellinger, and I think people are going to really be – I mean, I don't know about you. I don't think anyone's on the hot seat yet. But, Tom Herman, no. if you lose this game – and you fall to seven and six, and you don't do something next year, that seat is going to be on fire. I mean, he came into Texas last year. I, I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. I think that Texas went seven and five last year as well, right? Uh, no, I, I, I believe okay. they did better. Because remember, they beat, uh, they beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. That's right. Okay. Yeah, in, I, I think – In I, any case, yeah. you know – it's, it's the Texas team that Tom Herman just has not been performing with. And that's even worse in a way if they did better last year and they're degressing. You know, yep. if, this is, if this is worse, if he's doing worse this season, because he's had a couple seasons to work with it. These should be his recruits at this point. Um, yep. it, it's going to be it's gonna be a tough one for Tom Herman if he can't pull it together next year. I think they need to uh, – they need to be back in the Big 12 championship for sure. That's that's a fact, and you know now we you know that that wraps up our New Year's Eve bowl games. That, a hell of a slate. Uh, you guys are going to have plenty to watch. Now we move into the big boy bowl games on January first, New Year's Day. All these games can cure your hangover. They start at twelve p.m. We're going to start with the one I'm looking forward to the most, which is the Outback Bowl. We have the Minnesota Golden Gophers versus the Auburn Tigers. I always um, love the Outback Bowl, by the way. It's it's know. always a great game. Zach mentioned the Cotton Bowl. Like, that's his favorite. Like, for some reason, he loves it. For some reason, I love the Outback Bowl. I don't know why. It's always a great game. <laughs> okay. Just uh, before we cover it, you know, like, is there a bowl game that you just don't like? Regardless if your team's in it or not, you just don't really – it's just like, oh, I hate watching this. Uh, I mean, apparently you do. So, what, what game is that? Okay, I don't know why. I, I I don't know what happened in my childhood or what happened. The Citrus Bowl just bothers me. I don't know what about it bothers me. Just as a kid, <laughs> I always hated watching the Citrus Bowl. So you're not watching the Citrus Bowl? Is that what I'm hearing? Well, I have to this year. I have a podcast, and Alabama, Michigan are playing in it. That's going to be a hell of a matchup. But but to return to the Outback Bowl, which is also a Florida Bowl game, at the exact same time as the Citrus Bowl, (laughs) with an SEC versus a Big Ten team. I don't know why we needed two of these. That might be why I hate it. This is so redundant. (laughs) Why do we have two bowl games at 12 p.m. on New Year's Day between the Big Ten and the SEC? In the same state. I mean, we're talking – it's Orlando and Tampa. That's like an hour away. Yep. 
So this game is the Tampa game. So we have, you know, an Auburn team coming off a, a dramatic Iron Bowl win and a Minnesota team coming off a even more dramatic loss to Wisconsin, which cost them a spot in the Big Ten Championship. And I think this matchup is going to be one of the better ones of the bowl season. It's definitely going to be a good game. Uh, Minnesota is one of those teams that has proven themselves this year, but for whatever reason, I just don't really believe in them still, if that makes sense. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. I, I just, they're so, just, I mean, they're, they're missing that it factor to me. Yeah. And, and this Minnesota team, just, there's something about them. You know, you just said they don't have the it factor. I agree with you. And that's why I'm going with Auburn. I've got Auburn. I mean, if I had to give it a number, I'd say Auburn by a million. Because this Auburn team, while they might not have it all together yet, I think they have all the pieces. And if they work together just right, if they play together just right, uh, it's going to get ugly soon in this game. I agree. I mean, uh, we see it year in and year out. There's always these teams that, like, fight against this SEC dominance narrative. And, I mean, we know we'll cover it next episode, but Oklahoma learned the hard way about that. And I think this is going to be one of those similar games. I mean, people forget this Auburn team held LSU at home to 23 points. Yeah, Uh, their defense is incredible. Incredible. And I I just don't think Tanner Morgan is going to be able to – put up the numbers he has in the past we've seen him make mistakes against good teams like Iowa and Wisconsin he played a great game at home versus Penn State but this game is going to be a pretty much a home game for Auburn and you have Derek Brown Marlon Davidson both Auburn safeties and one of the Auburn cornerbacks playing their last ever game I think this Auburn defense is going to be even more motivated because of that and I see Auburn dominating this game and I think Bo Nix throughout the season has played better and better, and we saw it all come to a head against Alabama, uh, against Alabama in the Iron Bowl. And I think he's going to be ready. Auburn got their new offensive coordinator, Chad Morris. I think he, he's one of Gus Malzahn's right-hand mans. Uh, you know, I think that's going to play a big part. You know, Minnesota also has a new offensive coordinator. We'll see how that plays out. But I'm taking Auburn by 14 in this game. I think they score a late touchdown. I think it's going to be close early, but I think that the physicality, the physicality on both sides of the offensive and defensive line from Auburn is going to win this game for them. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And, and you mentioned that this is the last game for a majority of Auburn – or not a majority, but the best parts of Auburn's defense are leaving after this season. Um, and while, you know, you, you do have some people that will sit out the bowl game, Auburn doesn't really have that. Uh, and this is just going to go – this is basically going to be one last time for them to shine out before the uh, NFL draft combine. So this is going to be a time for them to show off, uh, you know, what's going to get them drafted. And I think because of that, this Auburn defense is really just going to shut down Minnesota. Yeah, that's true. And, I, I mean, each team is coming in pretty healthy. So I think this is going to be a great matchup. But I think that favors Auburn because – of, you know, uh, as much as Minnesota's played great this year, I think even as biased as I am sometimes, I think we can both agree Auburn has a lot more talent at each position than Minnesota does. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, so we'll move on to the next matchup. We had the Verbo Citrus Citrus Bowl between Gross. Michigan and Alabama. Same time, same day, 
same state, an hour away in Orlando. We have this matchup right up at the interstate from the Auburn-Minnesota matchup. I think we have another SEC blowout on our hand. I have Alabama by probably 20 this game. Look, and, and if I hear – and I, I get on Alabama fans. You, we've, all, we've all heard it. We know that I get on Alabama fans. But I'm about to get on everybody else's fans for just one second. You cannot look at me and say this Alabama team is awful because they haven't beat a ranked opponent yet. This is still a great team. If you watched any of the games they've played, I mean, when they do play ranked opponents, they play them so close. I mean, let's talk about the LSU game. Let's talk about the Auburn game. Both of these games were very high scoring. They were shootouts. And Alabama hung in the entire game. So, I mean, and we're talking about they're playing Michigan. And not, yeah, they're playing Michigan. So, it, yeah. it's – I don't know. And Michigan's I hate the team, but we've seen, we've seen what Michigan can be made out of at times, like when they played Wisconsin earlier this season. Yep, and I think that's what's – I think Najee Harris is going to run right down Michigan's throat. And I don't think Michigan is going to be able to contain Alabama's wide receivers because I think Alabama's wide receivers are better than Ohio State's, and Michigan struggled keeping Ohio State's wide receivers out of the end zone. If, if I can be completely honest with you, and, and, and I hate Alabama. You know, you can call me SEC biased as much as you want. I really don't think I am. You know, I'm an LSU fan through and through. I don't really care too much about the rest of the SEC. Um, I'm just one of those people who cares about my team and not really any other team. So, like, you can do whatever you want with that information. (laughs) I hate Alabama, but I think that Alabama is better in – I mean, they're better on offense, they're better on defense, and they're way better on special teams. Oh, a thousand percent. So, uh, how many punt or kick returns do you think Jalen Waddle has? I say at least one or two. He has at least one. I mean, I, I think he takes more to the house. I mean, I hope I, I would laugh. He took the opening one back because that would just. That would and be. I'm sorry. I know people are like this. Bama defense isn't like a typical saving defense. I don't count the LSU. I mean, LSU scoring 46. That's whatever, bro. I mean, that's how good that offense is. And Auburn at home, you got helped by two pick sixes. They only allowed Auburn to score 34 points. So, I I, isn't a bad defense. I think people are shocked that it's not like an elite defense like they always are. Well, they lost, what, three starters before the season even started? Right, right. All three of which were supposed to be first-round picks? I mean, let's take a deep breath here, guys. I mean, it's okay, but – I mean, you're telling me Shea Patterson's going to go in here and pick them apart? No, are you kidding me? No way, right? I mean, we can we can all be honest with ourselves that Shea Patterson isn't isn't. I don't. I, I'm here to say, I don't think there's anyone in the country who thinks Shea Patterson's better than Joe Burrow. No, 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 no. Unless and, you were just the most delusional Michigan fan of all time. But yeah, I mean, you know, we all said like. You know, Joe Burrow is better than Shea Patterson. And, you know, so Shea Patterson is, go- is a senior now. I think Bo Nix is right there in his freshman year better than Shea Patterson is right now. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, that's, that's just my opinion. And I think LSU and Auburn had better run games than Michigan by a lot. And I just – I've really and – I, and I don't think Michigan is – statistically Michigan's defense is better than Auburn's and LSU's. It does not have the talent that they those defenses have. There's no Derek Brown. There's no Derek Stingley. There, there's no Grant Delpit. There, you know, there's no Marlon Davidson. 
Michigan is not going to be able to hold this Alabama team down. Mac Jones is that guy. And so I have, I have Alabama by a whole lot. Me too. So, I, you know, I don't even remember what the spread was, but they covered it. Oh, yeah. The spread's only Alabama 7. <laughs> they cover it. Okay. They, we, don't have, we, we don't have gambling corner. Take that. Bama's covering 7. And yeah, the over the the over under is only fifty eight. I'm saying over on that. I, I think Bama could score that themselves. I don't. I don't know about them scoring fifty eight. I think they'll score in the th- high thirties, forties. And Michigan's not going to get shut out. But I think that's going to be tough to beat. And you know, I, you know, I'm not the gambling guy here. But that that's that's just my take on it. And so. Now, to preview the Rose Bowl, we have a special guest. You know, we talked about earlier, Asher Lowe. So, we'll get to that interview now. Okay, guys, and we have a special guest to uh, preview the Rose Bowl. Uh, The Rose Bowl is between Oregon and Wisconsin this year on January 1st, 4 p.m. We have Asher Lowe joining us. He is the host of the Locked on Badgers podcast, and he's also the sports director at 91.7 WSUL Madison. Uh, he's here to talk some Wisconsin football with us and preview this big game against Oregon. So uh, thanks for joining us, Asher. Happy to be here, guys. Yeah, happy to talk Rose Bowl and cannot wait. I'm actually from L.A., so I'm, I'm going to be home anyway, and I, I can't oh, wait wow. to go call the Rose Bowl for uh, WSUM. It's going to be a great time. Oh, man. Yeah, that's definitely a legendary guy. That's on my bucket list. I definitely want to go. But, you know, before getting into the matchup, uh, what is your overall thoughts? Like, what what would you say about, you know, Wisconsin's season so far? Did it meet expectations, exceed? And how do you see this team's proje- uh, projecting into next year and maybe even two years from now? You know, it's a weird season to look at and try to kind of grade. I was trying to do this in the podcast last week, and it's hard to grade because coming into this year, there was a lot of talk, a lot of media talk about, who would win the Big Ten West, and a lot of talk about, oh, Nebraska is amazing, you know, Dude. Northwestern's going to repeat, all this stuff that just wasn't going to happen. And it was sort of, you know, who can win it that's not Wisconsin? They, Wisconsin found a way to win it. But then you look at the season and the way they played up until that Illinois game. I mean, things were just – they looked like – and I know the competition was not stiff outside of the Michigan game in which Wisconsin dominated Michigan at home. The competition wasn't stiff, but this was still a much better performance than we thought we'd see, even against ga- in games against cupcakes that we thought we'd see – this Wisconsin football team, and then they go to Illinois, 31-point favorites, and blow it. So a lot of ups, a lot of downs, and, of course, the Big Ten championship game, a game where you have a two-touchdown lead that's basically unheard of for Wisconsin football to have against Ohio State in any recent game they've played against the Buckeyes. Paul Chris has never beaten Ohio State. So I was there in Indy. It was kind of a wild scene at halftime. And, of course, they end up losing that game in the second half after an onslaught. So a weird season, an up-and-down season. If you look at preseason expectations, this team no doubt exceeded them. But I'm sure fans would have wanted, of course, not only to take care of business against Illinois, but to somehow find a way to finish out that Big Ten championship game. But overall, a big-time success and a great recruiting class coming in. Wisconsin actually had – they flipped a guy named Caden Johnson, who was supposed to go to Minnesota. Many experts had him going to Minnesota. Number one player in the state of Minnesota, a defensive player who is going to be big uh, for this defense coming up, and Wisconsin flipped him. So big, big hashtag Badger Boys 20 was the, uh, the Twitter hashtag that all the Wisconsin coaches were using to yeah. alert us when they got a player. So a big Badger Boys 20 recruiting class that just came in. So I'm excited for this new class. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned that, you know, people had Nebraska winning the, uh, the Big Ten East this year. That was one of the things I wanted to harp on uh, for a second. That was one of the things from the very start of the season. Uh, you know, I was talking to Zach. I was talking to anybody who would listen. 
uh, saying that there was no chance that would ever happen. I actually had Wisconsin in my playoff preseason. Uh, didn't exactly work out, but, you know, in my opinion, this season was great for the Badgers. Um, would have liked to see them win the Big Ten, but, uh, you know, you know how that game went. Anyway, um, so as, as far as the Rose Bowl goes, um, I wanted to see what your thoughts were as to uh, Wisconsin's key to victory in this game. You know, all season, I think that the key to victory has been can Wisconsin run the football and can this defense not give up big chunks? Because when this defense has had problems, and listen, they've been great all year. You know, Zach Bond, Chris Orr, these are guys that at the linebacker position in the 3-4 defense have really stepped up. And, you know, they're, they're the ones that are tasked with getting to the quarterback, wrecking havoc in the backfield. And that's what they've been doing all year. Two seniors that have led this defense. So, you know, the secondary has had questions. There were injuries to uh, Rashad Wild Goose, who was – a starting corner most of the year didn't play uh, and was questionable coming into that Ohio State game. He did he did play in the Ohio State game, but there were issues in the secondary. So against Oregon, I would say the two big things are, can Jonathan Taylor be Jonathan Taylor? And I expect him to do that, you know, rush for 150-plus. And the right. second thing is, can Justin Herbert and the Ducks, can Wisconsin handle that passing attack, not give up huge chunks in the secondary with some younger, you know, corners and a younger group of safeties? The pair of safeties, of course, Wisconsin had Scott Nelson also at the safety position out for the year after the USF game. And they've been playing two guys, Eric Burrell, uh, who's played very, very well, and Reggie Pearson, who is probably the hardest hitter on the team, but they're both underclassmen. So, or Eric Burrell's a junior, excuse me, Reggie Pearson, an underclassman. So younger guys at the safety position and the corner positions, we'll see if Wisconsin can contain Justin Herbert. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's going to be the – Big thing, man. I mean, cause, I mean, I saw Justin Herbert play because I was in Dallas for the Auburn-Oregon game, and the kid is just a stud. Definitely a future NFL quarterback. He is. I mean, he, I think he's probably, probably a top three quarterback in this draft. I think people had him a little higher than maybe they do now just because of the, the Joe Burrow. Obviously, I mean, the craziness we've seen with Joe Burrow. He was basically undrafted on most boards last year. Am I wrong about that? I mean, no, I don't think anybody absolutely. had him – Anywhere near, obviously, the first round. Now, of course, a consensus number one pick in many people's eyes. So, Justin Herbert fell maybe a little bit because of the success of other guys. But when I watch him, I mean, he's been fantastic. Yeah, I mean, no doubt. And, I mean, speaking of, you know, you, you mentioned Jonathan Taylor. Uh, you, you know, Wisconsin has a long history of just churning out elite running backs, running backs going all the way back to Monty Ball, you know, Melvin Gordon. You know, where would you put Jonathan Taylor in the history of, you know, Wisconsin running backs? And, I mean, I would say he would have to be really, really high based on, you know, his past two years. He has to be, you know, at the top of the list. I mean, obviously, alongside guys like Ron Dane, who's really a legend around the Camp Randall area, around Madison. Uh, but he, he's up there with basically anybody that's ever played for Wisconsin. And, of course, running back you, you talked about, you know, this team actually had Melvin Gordon, James White, Monty Ball on the same team. So it, it was – I mean, it's been a running back history that has been as strong as it gets. Uh, and, you know, Jonathan Taylor, the thing about him is that He's such a good dude. Like, as a person, he's never the guy that walks into the room and you'd be like, that's the star. He's the, you know, the he's full of himself. He's above the team, whatever. He's such a team guy. And the other thing about him is that he improved this year in ways, you know, in areas where he had weaknesses. He really came into the summer and fall and improved in the passing game, which is a place where he didn't think he was up to the standards that he had to be at to be, you know, an NFL every down running back. And he improved in that area, had a career year in the passing game. And like I mentioned, just 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 a fantastic dude, like to, to lead your team. So I think he's right up there with any of them. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, one of the things that I've been speaking on a lot this year when it comes to Wisconsin football is uh, actually their backup quarterback, Graham Mertz. So uh, with Jack Cohen, I believe he's – this is his last season in Wisconsin, right? Uh, this is – Jack Cohen has one more year of eligibility, actually. Oh, one more year. Okay. Uh, well, after Jack Cohen's gone, uh, Graham Mertz will more than likely step up to the plate for the Badgers. Do you think that uh, this offense is uh, – I guess – do you think they can progress under Graham Mertz? I, personally, I think Graham Mertz is a very underrated quarterback, uh, just watching all of his film and everything. Uh, and personally, I think he's the better quarterback of the two. And, you know, obviously that's subjective. But uh, what are your thoughts? So I think the right move, the, the fun move this year would have been to just say, let's give Graham Mertz the keys, right? Right. Let's give him the keys to the Ferrari and just let him go. <laughs> that would have been the smart move. Uh, Jack Cohn is the kind of guy that's, you know, he's going to drive a normal taxi, but he's going to get you there, right? Like, right. He's, gonna, he's not going to drive, show up in a Ferrari, but he's going to get you to where you need to go. Uh, and he got Wisconsin to where they needed to go. And the most important thing for Jack Cohn this year was he didn't turn the football over. And that was the one thing. He didn't have to go out and win games for a team that has Jonathan Taylor, right? I mean, right. he didn't have to go win games completely, but he uh, – only four picks on the year. So something, something that really he had to focus on and that he did well was not turning the ball over. And he was a different quarterback this year than last year. You know, his confidence was – just through the roof compared to last year. And he had a big, big, big game in Wisconsin's kind of litmus test, season-defining game against Minnesota. Jack Cohn was at his best, and that was really impressive to see. Really had a struggle in the second half against Ohio State, struggled in Columbus in that first meeting. But overall, Jack Cohn had a solid, solid year. And Graham Mertz, like I said, the talent was there. Highest-rated quarterback recruit in Wisconsin history. This is not a school that – Outside of Russell Wilson, who we got as a transfer, this is not a school that, you know, just pumps out quarterback, you know, oh, quarterback for quarterback to the NFL. It's, it's not Wisconsin's MO. And I think the, the fear, the only fear with Graham Mertz and Jack Cohn that people were thinking about was, is Graham Mertz going to transfer? And he's not going to play next year. Jack Cohn's going to be the starting quarterback next year, even if Graham goes crazy in camp. I think that that's 100% set in stone. Right. But will Graham Mertz transfer? I don't think he will. I think all reports I've heard of, that, you know, he's extremely happy in Madison, loving being a part of this team. Uh, and so, like you guys said, it will be his team for two years in Madison, or three years in Madison, I should say. He's going to get a red shirt this year. Uh, so it's, he's going to have three years of eligibility to lead a program that should be up with any in college football over the next five, six years. Right, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, get back to the Rose Bowl. Uh, so we have just a few more questions for you. Um, what is the positional matchup that you think fans are listeners here uh, that you are going to be focused most on while watching this game? You know, it's, it's kind of a weird one, but Wisconsin has struggled most in special teams this year. Okay. Yeah. And it's something that I just think could decide games, you know, it, like we, we actually switched kickers uh, a few weeks ago and that's rare for a team that's playing this well. You don't see that all, all the time, you know, just, and there was no reason to it behind, you know, this team thought that Zach Hintz, who is our new kicker now, had a better shot at making field goals than Colin Larch, a guy that had struggled this year. So kicking was an issue, but also in the return game in special teams, we have, you know, this team has to get something going through Aaron Cruikshank, who had a great year, but didn't always have great protection on a lot of kickoff returns. And in, you know, in terms of punting, Anthony Lottie, a guy that struggled most of this year, a guy that dropped the ball. I don't know if you saw that play against Ohio State. Uh, that yeah. was a very, very strange play. I actually thought on that play he was thinking fake to uh, 
because Adam Krumholtz is wide open on the right side. Whatever it was, it was awful. I mean, it was pretty awful. Uh, he dropped the football. So punting has been a question. Kicking has been a question. And I feel like in these tight games, which I think this will be, that's an area of the field where Oregon could have an advantage in special teams. Oh, yeah. And they are elite on special teams. Um, I don't know how much of the Auburn-Oregon uh, game you watched this year, but the, when Auburn threw the game winning touchdown, they took the squib kick all the way back to, like, the 30-yard line. Yeah, that was um, a lot Yeah, it was an insane game. So, you know, from I, is, I love – me and Brandon have probably outside of maybe Joe Burrow, Jonathan Taylor has probably gotten the most – time on this podcast this whole season and the Wisconsin has been covered almost every single week and yeah as I said this has been an amazing year but and if I had to make my prediction right now I have to take Oregon in a close one so I have to ask what is your can you give us a prediction for the game I can give a prediction so I think I think Wisconsin is going to win this football game there we go and I think that Jonathan Taylor is going to you mentioned you talked about him on this podcast. You know how good he is. Yeah. He is a player now that does not have a weakness. You, you just can't find it. He fixed his only – basically his only weakness, uh, which was touching the football on his hands and his route running. He had a 28-yard wheel route touchdown, you know, through the air against Minnesota that was just dirty. And so, I mean, he, he's fixed every weakness he had. He, he's a perfect player, you know, just amazing dude. And this is his last game as a Badger. So, I think that he will go out with a bang. I think he has a big, big day on the ground. And I think this defense does enough. I think this will be a pretty high scoring game. Actually, Wisconsin's offense has yeah. really improved this year uh, compared to last year. And the defense has actually weathered off at the end a little bit this year and allowed some big plays. Like I was mentioning um, a lot of things that we would never have thought would have been possible through week four or five, like a 75 yard touchdown to Iowa at the end of that game uh, that almost made it a tie game uh, in Madison, uh, things like that, that were just, you know, these lapses that we hadn't seen early in the year. But I think the defense does enough against Justin Herbert. And I think Jonathan Taylor in his last game as a Badger has a huge one. Give me Wisconsin by three. I'll give it a push in Vegas. There we go. I'm taking Wisconsin by seven. Uh, Personally, I think that this Wisconsin defense is far superior to this Oregon defense. Um, Their offense is right up there with Oregon. Uh, I just think that behind this O-line, behind Jonathan Taylor, and behind the uh, ball security of Jack Cohen, the Badgers have to take this game. I also have to mention, guys, I forgot to mention this guy's name somehow through all this talk, but a guy that I think is going pro and a guy that I think will actually be possibly the best pro right now on the Wisconsin roster offensively is Quintess Cephas. I don't know how much of you guys have right, seen yeah. yeah, he's that a stud. Ridiculous. And he's kind of been getting held, you know, held back by the way Wisconsin and uh, Coach Rudolph, the way they, they call offense sometimes, and Coach Chris. But, I mean, him one-on-one, him two-on-one has been incredible to watch. He, he's – He's wild. I mean, I, I literally think he is an NFL number one at some point in his career. Yeah, I can definitely see it. Um, fantastic receiver. Uh, and to finish off this interview real quick, uh, I know that you're a big basketball guy, big college basketball guy, and so are we. Uh, so I wanted to ask a question about the 2015 National Championship. And I guess that question is going to be, how much do you think that Duke paid off the refs in that game? Uh, oh, more money than I could even possibly think of. Right, it's insane. <laughs> I can't give you a number because it's so astronomically high. I don't even know what to say. I mean, that no, Justice no, Winslow, no, I mean, he like, touched like, all the way out. Probably like an eight, like, you, know, you know, like a thousandth of Coach K's net worth, but still like a lot, a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that university has, has, has a lot of money. They, they can do stuff like that. Uh, absolutely. But, uh, but also, give, I'm going to give a little credit to, to Mr. Jones on Duke, who had a huge, huge game. 
Oh yeah, for sure. Highest had a, had a, had a crazy game. So, <laughs> all right. Oh, well, yeah. well, thank you for coming on again. Uh, we're going to give you a chance to plug whatever you want to plug now. So you can go ahead and do that whenever you're ready. Yeah, definitely check out Locked On Batters. I actually have a big guest on Monday. I'm very excited for a 2021 recruit who's already committed. Uh, who's going to be coming on on Monday's show. And then I'm hoping to get some Oregon guys, Oregon football players on the Locked On Badgers podcast. And you can find that podcast at Locked On Badgers on Twitter, wherever uh, you, you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, anywhere. Um, it's up there to the Locked On Podcast Network. So we, we do episodes Monday through Friday, pretty short episodes, around 20, 25 minutes, but a lot of Rose Bowl content. So I'm very excited to get that going. Yeah, for sure. And be sure to uh, tune into that, everybody. And thank you again, Asher, for coming on. Thanks, guys. Right. Yeah, thank you, Mom. And so finally, for our last game, we have the All-State Sugar Bowl, Georgia versus Baylor, a top 10 matchup, 11-2 and two teams in New Orleans. Uh, and, you know, we have Baylor, you know, as a five-point underdog in this game. And uh, I think Georgia covers that spread. Georgia covers that spread every single day of the week. They could be playing in Waco and Georgia would cover that spread. This game, I don't know. I don't think it's going to be a good game. This is a game that was one at one time $6 to get into the Superdome to watch. Now it's like $200. I don't know who's spending that to real watch Baylor in Georgia. But, no, uh, there's, dude, there's, there's still tickets on Vivid Seats for $21. Well, catch me at that game then because I did not know that. Yeah, so if you guys are I'll around New Orleans, Orleans anyway, so. there you go. So, guys, if you're in New Orleans, go check out this game. You know, I uh, it's I don't even know how to even, like, word this. We have a Georgia defense who last time we saw them was getting eaten alive by Joe Burrow and this, you know, prolific LSU offense. And I think they're going to come out angry. Kirby Smart's going to have them ready. And I think they're going to try to make a statement against a Baylor offense where we have three different banged-up quarterbacks and just a team with multiple positions that are ravaged by injuries. And I think, I think this could be reminiscent of Georgia beating Hawaii 52-3 back in, I believe it was 2006. Right. Uh, I mean, this – yeah, uh, I mean, the last time we saw Baylor – you already talked about the last time we saw Georgia, but the last time we saw Baylor was in that Big 12 championship game uh, where they edged out Oklahoma in overtime with – they played three different quarterbacks. So – uh, I don't know. I don't know who's healthy and who's not at this point. Yeah, I I don't even think they've announced a starter yet at this point while we're recording. Um, and you know, Jake Fromm. I think he, I I I don't know if he's announced if he's coming back. He should, but this could be his last game as a Georgia Bulldog. And I think he's going to show out. I think DeAndre Swift is going to be embarrassed about how he performed in the SEC championship. Uh, I mean, I think this whole team is pissed off, man. And I really think Georgia's just going to come into this game firing. I, I don't know. I, I, you know, as good as Baylor's been all year, uh, there's nothing you can do about injuries. The only thing that could stop Georgia is people sitting out of the game. Um, you know, that there's, there's a lot of people sitting out for Georgia. They're starting two starting offensive linemen have said they would sit. Another offensive lineman is missing for academic reasons. You know, like Brian Heron, the backup running back, still also might not play. Um, you know, right now Baylor says they might have everyone, but as we know, 
injuries linger, this is going to be two teams that it's just who's going to be more motivated. I think Georgia's coming out with the win here, and I I, I think they win by twenty. I, I definitely think that it's a uh, what I mean, you said that it's a five point spread. Yep. Don't understand how. Georgia wins by at least seven. I can see like a 10-point game happening. Uh, I do think this Baylor team's good. You know, they're ravaged by injuries. Uh, you mentioned that Georgia has a lot of players sitting out uh, for whatever reasons, uh, the multitude. But this Georgia team, in, to be able to win by, you know, you said 20, to be able yeah. to win by that much, they're going to have to be able to score. And that's just something we haven't, been, we haven't seen this Georgia offense do a whole lot of this season. That's true. I mean, that's why my X factor for the game, my player to watch is Jake Fromm. It might be a cheap way taken out to name the quarterback the player to watch. But with this Georgia team, and especially DeAndre Swift not fully healthy, the backup running back out, Jake Fromm's going to have to lead this team down. And he's going to have to show that he has matured throughout his career. I think he, I think he has – I think he's going to be all right. I think he's going to have a great future in the NFL – but I think he loves Georgia, and he's going to want to end on a high note, and I think he's going to come up big here in this game. Because, I mean, we've seen Jake Fromm play huge games. Yeah, I mean, last season. Yeah, no, uh, yeah last, last season he had a lot of them. But we, we saw him come through in the Auburn game with a big throw downfield to, you know, help him win that game. We saw him come through in the Notre Dame game. I mean, we saw him come through in the Florida game. I mean, all those games were big wins, especially the Florida win. That – you know, if that game is flipped, Florida plays LSU. Florida goes and plays LSU in Atlanta for the SEC championship. So right. let's not discount his whole season yet. He he, This team has been ravaged by injuries. His leading wide receiver was out. Running backs have been banged up. Offensive line has been banged up. Jake Fromm is, has one last chance to show out, and he's going to do it, in my opinion. Yeah, I can see it happening. Yeah, no doubt. And so that is the wrap-up for this episode. This was a throwback to our first episode. We had a lot of bowl games to catch up on, guys. Uh, we both have been traveling, seeing family, holidays. So we wanted to catch you guys up on all the bowl games. We are set through New Year's Day now. We will ha- we'll have a recap episode coming out on the 1st. This one will be out tomorrow, December 31st. And we also have two more episodes later this week. We are, we are bringing you all major, major content. We just had to get through the holidays to catch up. So you guys listen. Tell your friends to listen. We, I'm sure we have big things planned for the national championship. That will be coming up in like two weeks. Um, going to be crazy. Um, but, yeah, follow us on social media. Uh, Instagram at the underscore blue bloods Facebook. It is at the blue bloods pod Twitter at the underscore underscore blue bloods. Follow us on there, rate the podcast, share the podcast, um, whatever you got to do all our listeners. We hope y'all had a great holiday. Uh, we look forward to these huge football games. Let us know anything y'all want, uh, to wrap up the season. We have a lot of all season content that we'll announce at a later date, but, Until then, we're out.